How have you been? I'm been great. Thank you. Had an excellent weekend. Watched some football. Super great. Bowl, and that was fun. So yeah, it was been great. How about yourself? Great weekend. Busy with family, uh, and awesome to have you here. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for the invite. Yeah, no, really looking forward to chatting with you about um, uh, about the series uh, Griselda. Uh, you know, your work on it is uh, very poetic. And I will talk about that in a way later on as we as we as we converse about it. But you know, one of the things that I'm always fascinated with, Joaquin, just being in the business myself too, I'm always fascinated about you know storytellers. What's our story? How do we how do we get where we are? How did we get where we are? And what's your story? What inspired you to be an editor? And your journey has been like. Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, for me, it was always about telling stories. And I mean, since a young age, I I was just always, you know, I think I was the you know kid who always with a camera running around and 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 trying to express myself uh, creatively. And 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 I think that I found it through photography initially through um, uh, my grandparent, my grandparents, my uncle. They were all uh, into still photography. And then that kind of caught my attention. And um, I originally wanted to be actually a cinematographer uh, mm. when I was uh, when I graduated from college. I think because of of that, right, from my upbringing being just you know having access to cameras. Honestly, uh, there was always like Nikon's laying around the house. And um, but so I, so I so I but I knew how to edit. So I was always a videographer, editor, and I started working in, in local news in San Diego. I went to school at the University of Michigan, studied film. And uh, when I got back to San Diego, I just kind of started, you know, I felt I needed to just get a job and I fell into uh, local news. But mm. it's not really what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, and so, but, uh, you know, I, I learned, I knew how to edit. Uh, back then it was, I think, Final Cut 7 might have been. Yes. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, I, I kind of grew creatively, I say, unsatisfied working in, in local media. And I just wanted to work on, you know, bigger national projects and still had that kind of dream of working in film. And so I just left one day. I, I quit my job in San Diego and, and went backpacking in uh, Southeast Asia and then moved to New York City just to, you know, see what I would find. <laughs> and um, I spent a couple of years there and then moved to uh, L.A., and when I got to LA is when I, I really, you know, I was there. I was like, all right, I'm here. Uh, LA was very tough. I did not find many opportunities. But, you know, at that time is when I really discovered editing. Like, I felt like I really connected with it. And, you know, even though I love photography, but, you know, I basically, I'm saying this, I wasn't very good. I wasn't a very good uh, videographer, yeah. right? And what I really connected with was uh, editing. That's where I really liked the lifestyle. I like to be you know, in my room, in front of a computer, crafting a story and manipulating sound, audio and video. And, you know, that's what I really enjoyed. And that's where I really felt I was, my strengths really light in that. And I focused on, you know, trying to be an editor in film and scripted TV in, in LA and Hollywood. And that proved to be very challenging. When I got there, I just didn't know how to do it. You know, I was yeah. like, well, you know, where do you start? <laughs> and so it just committed a lot of mistakes and, and, and became part of a lot of post-production communities and met people who really helped me along the way, who I consider now my mentors and very dear friends, but that, you know, really uh, 
supported me and, and, and taught me so much. And eventually I was able to, you know, break into the industry uh, as an assistant editor, even though I had been editing for, you know, 15 yeah. years in unscripted, you know, television. And so I knew, I, me personally, I chose to kind of, you know, as I say, take a step back and become an assistant because, uh, well, first of all, I knew it was going to probably be easier to break into the industry. Um, and then also I knew that I had to kind of learn a bit, you know, even though I had been working in broadcast media for 15 years, you know, I, I needed to learn a lot about, you know, scripted TV and film, how that world functioned, you know? And right. I'm glad I did because I was able to really sit there like when, you know, my editors who I assisted, they would allow me to be in the in the rooms, say, when they were um, having sessions with directors and, and producers. And I literally I just sat there and just, you know, with a notepad and just I mean, I just observed. And that and that was like, you know, that was like a true like film school. <laughs> I got to say, uh, having access to those, you know, to those sessions. And then eventually, you know, yeah, I got to, you know, got bumped up and to being an editor and been editing ever since. That's awesome, man. I mean, you mentioned Final Cut 7. Do you miss the good old good old rendering for oh, several hours? <laughs> you, you, you hit hit Apple R and then you leave the room you and then go. you come I back mean, after. <laughs> we were actually talking about that yesterday, actually. At, 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 watching the football game, I don't know how rendering came up. <laughs> we were talking about how, you know, because uh, my, my, my wife is an architect. And uh, same thing, you know, when she would render her material, it's like, yeah, yeah see him, <laughs> come back the next day. Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, uh, but, you know, you, you wanted to be a cinematographer and and you discovered editing. And, you know, I think it's a journey for a lot of people like that. that I've always wanted to be a director, but on the way, because you got to do everything on your own, you know, shot i wouldn't consider myself cinematographer in terms of like working with lights but like i'm really pretty pretty good with natural lighting and all that and then i edited a lot i mean editing something i enjoyed a lot like it's just the idea of being in solitude and just putting stuff together back and forth and testing it out i'm not talking about films i mean you know even if you create like a a three-minute piece like a family vacation or something for a client it's you're trying to weave a story and and I wonder with you, that transition, if it had anything to do with your trip to Southeast Asia in solitude, where you discovered how, you know, being in that moment with yourself and working on something, I think it's a completely different feeling as opposed to working with a crew. That is great, too. That is awesome, too. But sometimes you need your own time with yourself. I mean, yeah, that's an excellent question. And, and uh I think, yes, I think, well, that was the thing. It, it was that experience, just going to Southeast Asia, like quitting my job, right? And saying, I'm going to go now backpacking to Southeast Asia for a month. And then I'm going to move to New York City with no job or context. And I, I mean, yeah, that, that just changed my life. And, uh, I, and you know, and the, the thing is, I think also just being in New York City, it's, and you'll hear this a lot from people. It's like, you could, it could be a very lonely city. Yeah. So, so I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, like that time, I mean that, you know, first of all, Southeast Asia, that was just the most amazing experience and, you know, being with myself and then meeting people from literally all over the world who were doing the same thing that I was doing that were like, you know, I got, I was looking for something else. I was fed up with my life back home and I'm just out here, you know, exploring the world. Right. And 
when I initially thought that I was like, I was, I was terrified when I woke up that day, when I left to Bangkok, I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And, you know, when I got to, you know, to, to Thailand and, and was traveling around and, um, and met people who were doing the same thing. It, it, I don't know. It's that feeling was like, I, I, I just knew it. Well, first of all, I confirmed that I had done the right thing. And, and, and I was, I was so happy. I, I mean, yeah. out, of that, out of that fear being terrified came out so much happiness. And, um, and then when I got to New York, yeah, I, you know, just being by myself, I discovered a lot of things about myself, honestly. And, and I think, you know, that's what I, I think that it makes you a better storyteller. You just have so much to share and, and, and communicate with people. And that's when people always ask me, like, what, what makes you a better editor? I think for me, it's just, well, first of all, traveling, you know, I love to travel, yeah. but also just having like experiences. I mean, like literally living life, you know, and, and being out there talking with people, having conversations, especially at a time now where we're so, you know, stuck, you know, we're behind or used to communicating with our devices, right? It's like literally going out and like talking to people. And I don't care if it's at the, you know, at the park, at the bar or at a baseball game, I don't know, wherever. But having those coming those those conversations, I think, you know, just make me a, a better storyteller. It, it is so true. And I think traveling really turned my life around too. Not necessarily in the very beginning, but I went to India for three weeks for a project. And I had a project, small project in the beginning of the trip and the end of the trip. And I had like two and a half weeks in between. So I, you know, asked my friend, he came with me and after I came back, I mean, it was a life-changing experience in many ways, but I, now that I, you mentioned about the Southeast Asia, right after that, two months after that, I started working on my first feature documentary because mm. it, it gave me that strength of, you know, that fear that you have, how the hell am I going to start? Where is it going to yeah. come from and all that stuff? It, it, just, it just really opens your mind up, the traveling part. It really does. I, I, I agree with you, you know, 100%. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's like, you, you understand it. It's like, you see, literally see so much possibilities. And and I think that the fear, yeah, because even like, I remember like, you know, for example, like, even like, you know, uh, early on, like, you know, when I was younger, like, and I was like enjoying, I enjoyed going far away. Like, I really loved going like, I want yeah. as far away as I can. And, and that was scary, right? But then, like the more you do it, the more you're like, all right, I would, how, let's push it, right? Let's just and then so yes, yeah, so you just kind of start expanding your mind, and it certainly has helped me just kind of, you know, eliminate that fear from taking risks, I suppose. You hundred know? <laughs> percent. It's it's so true. I mean, we can we can have a separate conversation about this, uh, you know, for hours. Uh, but before I jump on the next thing, I I just want to share something on the same note. Um, around the same time when I was when I went to India, a year before that, uh, I went to the western part of Canada, uh, in the Rocky Mountains. And I mean, I live in Canada, so I had to go there for work. And I there is this place which divides two provinces, British Columbia and Alberta. It's a small village of 240 people. It's called the Field. So you get off this highway, which is not really a highway because it's in the mountains, and there's this bridge. And there is this uh, uh, information center. So I parked my car in the information center and I go to the bridge and I look around me and it's all mountains. And then beneath the bridge, there is this water flowing with, you know, small rocks and pebbles. So I went down and I sat down there. Before I know it, two hours had caught, passed. And 
every year after that for five years, I made a point to go there. And I kid you not, every time I came back, I had an idea. Like something would just come out of that trip. And it's just because you're surrounded with nature and solitude and you're completely free of everything. I I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, and, and that's, to you know, even now, like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, we could keep talking about this forever, right? It's yeah. Like, but but I mean, like you know, for me, like I I I discovered, you know, rec fairly recently in the co last couple of years, like meditation. You know, I mean, that to me now, um, you know, for, it's, I made it just such a big part of my life now, and that in itself, I mean, just so that just sitting with yourself, you know, whether it be you know in nature or like you know I I do it here in the mornings and this room, sure, but it's quiet, you know, and 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 that's when I you know I start. Out of that, I process. I think come out, out, out a lot of ideas. You know, being just simply with myself. I I I run a lot. I'm actually training for a marathon, and when mm. I go out, you know, in my runs, long runs, you know, 15, 20 miles, and early, I'm just around nature. I run around this place called uh, Coronado Island, and it's just, I mean, it, it's so inspiring. And 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 that's where I get the most ideas. I think. Yeah, the, for sure. From, that, from the moments, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's probably consciously and also subconsciously without you knowing that you're getting these amazing ideas and how to cut or how to tell a story. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Exa no, exactly. Yeah. And no, and you know, I, yeah, I mean, I love that we're, we're having this conversation because uh, it really, you know, again, when people ask me, it's like, I, I don't think they expect, you know, they ask me like, how do you become a better editor? I, I, I think they probably rely more on like a, something more technical or I, I don't know. And then I start thinking about like, yeah, you know, I like to go on a run and, you know, go to, you know, Cambodia <laughs> yeah, and meditate. Yeah. And that's, you know, and so, but yeah, that's really it, is it. Yeah, I think the key, the key word here is what you said, is you push yourself to do something that you don't want to do and you get over fear. And when you get over fear, you're a free person and you have all this, then you're not afraid to make any decisions that you might be afraid of had you not overcome your fear. No, I mean, right. I get it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I get so, and I get so excited talking about this because it's, that was the thing. Like for me, you know, I, I had talked about, for example, like when I was in San Diego, I grew up in San Diego and Tijuana, yeah. you know, in, in the border region, mm -hmm. uh, USA and Mexico. Yep. And, and so I, I talked about like for 10 years, I would be talking about like, yeah, I want to go to New York city. I'm going to do this. And I wouldn't do it. And it was literally just fear. It was fear. Right. Until one day, um, Cause I had an uncle that lived in New Jersey and he was like, all right, dude, mm -hmm. like, you know, when are you going to do it? You know, you've been talking about this for like, you know, 10 years. I'm like, and it just kind of hit me. Right. And again, I was, I was so afraid and going to Southeast Asia and then going to New York. But it was like that when I got over that hump, like literally, you know, like you said, it's like, once you do it, it you're like, Oh my God. Like, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm capable of so much and, yes. and, and, and taking so many risks and like, like now, even now, and I still do it. Right. Where, I'm just so, you know, conditioned to that feeling. It's like, now it's like, I kind of thrive off of it, honestly. Same, same here. <laughs> you know? Same here. <laughs> Where it's like, all right, if I fall, I just get back up and I, and I it's all right, let's, let's do this again. Right. And, but I, yeah, I understand initially it's just getting over that, you know, initial fear, but I, once you yeah. do it, you have so many possibilities. And the thriving part is so true. I mean, it's like an addiction for me. Exactly. <laughs> knowing or not knowingly to fall. And I, I will always tell myself, okay, this is like, you know, you, you know, when you get rejection in the beginning in life and anything, yeah. like whatever it is, yeah. you, you're down. But when you get so used to it, it's just like, ah, uh, let's go on. Like, it's just so 
easy to get over it. I'm sure there's bigger obstacles in life that, you know, losing someone, that's something you can't right. get over. Right. right. But but it's about just conditioning your brain to that thinking. And it it helps a lot. I mean, yeah, this is this is great, man. Uh, you know, let, 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 let's talk about your work on um, Griselda. How did you come on board on this series? And did you know about the story beforehand? Yeah, I, mean, I knew about well, I knew about Griselda Blanco, yes. And uh, you know, from I, I honestly I remember watching the Cogan Cowboys documentary, mm -hmm. which I know everyone references. And so I think that's probably the first time I heard about Griselda Blanco. I mean, many years ago. And I mean when that came out, it might have been early two thousands. Yeah. And um and so so yeah, so then eventually I, you know, when I my first big break in Hollywood was Narcos Mexico. And uh, I, I I started there as an assistant editor and then uh, got bumped up, got promoted to editor on season three of Narcos Mexico. Mm. Around probably season, I, I mean, I want to say probably season two, end of season two, we started hearing about this project. Um, you know, we started hearing the name uh, Griselda and Sofia Vergara. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of, you would hear around the hallway, you know, at the office. And so I was like, oh man, like that, you know, I, I mean, so I'm a big fan of Sofia Vergara. I've been following her career, you know, since she was like a, you know, travel show host back in the day. Yeah. And, um, and so I was like, oh man, like that would be cool, right? Uh, to see her like in her, like this type of role, right? Because she's known for comedies. And so anyways, uh, my, so we go off to do another show called Dark Winds for AMC. And uh, my assistant and I, Chris Cavanaugh, who's also a, a co-editor on, on Griselda, uh, but Anarchos Mexico. And so when we were on Dark Winds, we started to hear more and more about it, this project. And when we, I think, heard that it was happening, I made it a point to, you know, reach out to our producers and our director, uh, Andy Bias, who Andy Bias had been on Narcos since the very beginning, since Narcos, the Columbia edition. And right. so I made it a point to reach out to him and say, you know what, uh, Andy, like, I'm excited about this project. I heard it's happening. And I just want to tell you that uh, I want to be, I would like to be considered for this, for this, for this, uh, role. You know, I, I didn't know exactly how many editors they were going to have, but I was like, you know, I want to be considered. I I'm excited about this project and I want to work with you. Right. Cause with Andy, I knew him from Narcos Mexico, but we never worked as I was never an editor on any of his episodes. I was an assistant mm. editor, but you know, I would hang out and go have lunch with him. Sure. So we had a relationship, um, but so uh, I just didn't, uh, you know, there were the other editors on Narcos Mexico, right, who had far more experience than I had at that time. So I knew that I had to put in more effort, you know, to, you know, to kind of just say, hey, like, you know, I'm here, right? Because they're probably going to go down the list of editors, right? I mean, like, especially people that Andy has already worked with as, you know, say, editor director. Um, and so I just, you know, I had, again, I just sent out, you know, I communicated to everyone well producers and andy that i wanted to be considered and then um you know yeah eventually uh you know i got the call that you know andy wanted to work with me and and that's how it happened wonderful and which uh episodes did you work on i uh, did the odd episode so one three and five and then uh chris and i co-edited um episode three and then i just mm. want to give a shout out to kelly stuyvesant who did the uh even episodes um uh, two, two and four, four and six you know, one of the things, uh, because the series is out, I can talk about a few things, uh, uh, is <clears throat> I talked about in the beginning the poetic element of it. And 
it was so obvious if i don't know if that makes sense it was so obvious but it was not until at end of episode 3 well, that's when I realized the parallels between the two women, you know, one being Griselda and the other who's playing the cop. I forget the character's name. Um, like how their lives are kind of going this way and then one falls and the other goes up and then she falls and that. It was done so beautifully. And as soon as the episode three ended, I'm like, holy crap, that is so poetic. Like that is just and it was not in your face. It was just very subtly building up. And it came out beautifully. That's just a comment I just wanted to make. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, working with something like this, which is so uh, character driven. I mean, without Sophia, I don't think this series would work. I mean, she's phenomenal in it. And uh, dealing with all the narratives and putting them together, um, yourself and your team, your co-editor, how were there were there any challenges that you faced on the episode that you worked on where you know it's it happened on every series or film where there's a scene that you really want to have in there because it's good for the film but because the pacing gets kicked off you have to take it out was there anything like that that kind of made you feel uh eh, you know I wish we could have included that oh yeah i mean well i mean episode 1 i mean the first episode i mean that was i mean we worked on that you know, extensively. And yes, unfortunately had to lose uh, a, a lot of scenes, you know, in the process, you know, to get the, you know, the flow, right. Right. I mean, like there's so many things it's about finding that balance. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's, it's a challenge. Right. And it's really is like, you know, a lot of people compare editing to like cooking. It really is. <laughs> and, um, but you know, yeah. Episode one, I mean, uh, you know, we there's a lot of a lot of stuff that was kind of left out was a lot of her the backstory of yeah. Griselda, right? And uh, we kept some in there. Other stuff just had to go. I mean, like there was one, yeah, there was one scene where um, I, I you know, I did fight for, and uh, I, and it just you know we we threw it in there, took it out, it tried tried it back in, and and it just you know doesn't work. And and again, it's like you know, kind of going back to like you know what we're talking about. Say you know fear of maybe making mistakes or, or rejection, you know, it's like, I tell people about editing. It's like, you have to be comfortable with that because if you're going to, and you have to pitch something, right. You have to say, if you believe in something, you got to say you, you can fight for it. Right. Sure. And it's, and if people are not going to, it doesn't serve the story, you know, they're going to take it out. Like, don't be offended. <laughs> it just yeah, doesn't yeah. work. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, episode one, I mean, like we, we restructured that thing many times. I mean, we tried, and that was a cool thing because, about on this uh, series that it was more like a feature film. It had one director, six episodes. And again, we worked on this for a year and we spent a lot of time on one, just really trying, I mean, literally trying everything and reordering stuff. And, uh, you know, eventually just settled on what we felt was the, you know, the right version of it. Right. But yeah, in that process, you let go of things that, I mean, it's like, it's a conversation, right. With many people, with the team yeah. and saying, you know, what, you know, and, and having also people uh, viewing it, right? Giving their opinion from our cinematographer, our, the, the, the post PA, you know, and everyone, you know, what do you think? What are you feeling, right? And also Annie and I watching the cuts and, you know, looking over at each other. And that's the cool thing about being at the office versus being like a remote, you know, kind of setup is that you can look over 
and see how people literally are like body language. And that's what we would do. We just kind of look over and we knew when we were not, when the rhythm was off or whatever, it's all right, you know, hit the space bar, let's stop and let's, 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 let's figure this out. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it was, you know, again, episode one, uh, we, again, it was just, you know, we, so many things that we tried and, um, yeah, and unfortunately, you know, some stuff had to go, but it's only to serve the story. Yeah. Was there any scene involving her husband's backstory of how he is, was the way he was like, you know, giving his wife away? Like, was there any part where in the script or in the most stuff that, that was shot, his backstory of showing who he is and why he became the way he is? There, there was a, there was a bit of ex more of exploration of that. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. In the, in the script and also what, what, what was, I mean, we had, what was shot. Yeah. Um, in, in the end it was, you know, this one, this, we just really wanted to stick, be more with Griselda. That was the thing, you know, we wanted to be with her. And that was also the conversation say, you know, cause obviously, you know, look, it's the same thing as Narcos Mexico, right. Or Narcos. Mm -hmm. And initially, I mean, one of the, and I don't think even it had to be a conversation. We just kind of knew that this was, we didn't want to make another Narcos, you know? Uh, obviously this one, you know, for example, the show, you know, doesn't have like that iconic, you know, main title and song you see just, you know, Griselda on over, you know, Sophia's face. And we didn't have any, you know, archival footage and voiceover. And also the thing about Narcos, Narcos Mexico, I'll say, because I worked on that, you know, you have, you're following literally, you know, these cartel bosses around Mexico. You have, they're all, there's so many, it's a, like a, this universe, right? And like now the difference between that and Griselda is that this is just her. This is her story, right? And so I think, I guess going back to episode one, it, it was kind of narrowing that down and having more of that focus like on her, being with her. Yeah, and and I'm glad you mentioned the the, the opening, if you want to call them titles or credits, yeah. <laughs> is that every episode ended with her, if my memory serves me right, and more or less began with her like following like an epilogue. And it was just like, you know, even if you are your mind is swayed away for two or three minutes from her. She comes right back in. And then the way she carries herself and her arc, her constant arc, kind of going back to what you and I were talking about, about failure. Like, you know, the entire series, it's her like falling down one after another, struggling, struggling, struggling. And that's something that I find very interesting in a story, any story where the character is struggling, I mean, that's pretty much most stories are. I always wonder if the editor and the director, their own struggles in life translate through that very naturally without them knowing that they're, you know, the character has to go through all this because that's what they go through. I know. Absolutely. I mean, like, I think so. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, that's what, I mean, look, I mean, I mean, I can't speak so much for, for Andy. Right. But I'm saying like, yeah. For me, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, I, there were so many, it was such a, I mean, it was, it was tough. It was tough. And it was like literally, you know, you know, you know, trying something, failing and, and then like, you know, getting back up and finding a way to keep going. That was the thing also, especially in LA, like I wanted to quit so many times where I was like, I can't, I don't know if I'll be able to work in this town. It was, it was tough. And, but then you just push through, you push through, you push through. So yeah, that definitely translates. I mean, obviously this is a whole different, you know, story. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> but, fine. That's fine. But, but I mean, like, but, you know, yeah, you can't, you, you know, you kind of relate in that regard. I got to say. Yeah. 
you know? <laughs> 100%. And w was this series, uh, this was shot after COVID, right? Or during COVID? Do you remember? Uh, this was after COVID. Yeah, okay. we started We started in January 2022. Um, and was it, were you getting dailies as the production was going on? Or were you just kind of handed everything at the end to kind of figure it out? Or how, how was the workflow for that? Yeah, we got, uh, we started, you know, we probably got a, a, a prep week, a week of prep um, to kind of, you know, talk about all the, 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 the remote setups and whatnot, you know? And then, so, yeah, I mean, they started, you know, from the first day of production, um, you know, we were, we're always one day behind. So, you know, if they mm -hmm. shoot on a Monday, we'll get that footage on Tuesday. Right. Um, and so we were, the way it was set up is that the first six months um, we were, all the editors and the and assistants were uh, remote. So we were all at home. And mm. so, uh, you know, the dailies were all uploaded to us, you know, from the lab, they prepped the dailies, you know, sync it up video and audio. And then we would, you know, just like if you were at the office, open up the Avid and, you know, our assistants would see the footage and organize it. And then the next six, the, la the second half, six, last six months, we were doing a hybrid setup where we would go um, uh, into the office you know, a couple of times a week and work with Andy and, you know, Eric Newman and, you know, sometimes Netflix would pop in and um, which I loved. Again, I love, I just, I, I love that setup in general, just hybrid being some days at home and then like some days at the office and being able to, to collaborate in person. Um, but yeah, they shot, I mean, production shot, I think it was over, a, I mean, around a hundred days, a little bit over a hundred days of shooting. And we, we had a production when it uh, took a hiatus there, took a break um, towards the end for about six weeks. And so, but editorial kept going. We still kept cutting. So again, that was great because we were just at that point, not getting any dailies, dailies and just focusing on our, on our cuts. And mm. then also, um, and Andy, the thing is though, Andy, uh, he wanted to see scenes like every day, pretty much. So as we're getting dailies, getting footage, I'm having to send out, you know, we're having to send out scenes to Andy for him to look at. And so it's like, and then we get notes about those scenes from Andy. So we're doing this kind of like editor's cut slash director's cut as he's shooting. And I don't know how he, he does it. I've been able to be on set and then like watch these scenes and then give us notes. And then like, I mean, these, Andy has so much energy Andy has so much energy. Um, but uh, it, so, yeah, it was just kind of like and his idea was like, you know what, let's get ahead. Let's get as much ahead as possible. Obviously we're going to, I'm going to have my time, right? Andy's saying, I'm going to have my time to sit with you but I just want to get ahead as much as possible and gain a lot of time. So we're, so we're just crunching right. it out, you know? Yeah, no, that makes, that makes great sense. And I, I, I wonder with series, uh, if it's like this, I spoke to, um, um, Richard Francis, who's edited films like, um, the rock, uh, seven, uh, Shawshank redemption, green mile, you know, like the classic, and he would always tell me, like, every time I speak to him, pretty much everything that he worked on in the 90s was always working with Frank Darabont or Michael Bay or David Fincher um, on the set. So he, him and his teams would be physically on the set. So they would get the footage, mm. you know, the dailies and work on it. Is that any way happening right now in the world of series? Or is that not something that is even conceived in series, I haven't, I've only recently in the last couple of years have heard about it, you know, 
from a couple handful of people in in series yeah i see it more in the film world yeah like literally being kind of like on on set although you know for example like well that's the thing it's like uh i mean well you know the thing is like griselda for example it was shot in la so we were you know we were in town you know true true (laughs) but not you know not but not on set obviously you know but you know it's not like andy could come i mean they just i mean they worked so hard i mean i Shout out to the cast and crew. I mean, I say they're like the true warriors, you know, it's like, you know, but yeah, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't come into the cutting room, you know, to watch scenes. Like, I mean, just he had, didn't have any time. And so um, we would just send it to him, you know, via uh, pics. Sometimes he would be like, you know, just send me, I want to see it right now. Like, you know, have some, have a break, you know, between, you know, setups, just send me something like, you know, send it on, on, on WhatsApp, you know, and it's all right. Yeah. You know? Make sure you delete it right, right as soon as you watch it, Andy. And so, yeah, I would just send them like, you know, just a you know, screen grab or, you know, to record my, my, my timeline or my, you know, check this out. And then, but that's the cool thing is that, you know, literally sometimes he would be like, you know, uh, you know, shooting a scene and it's like, hey, like, what do you have? Just show me. Maybe I might need to get this insert. And then, you know, okay, hold on. And then I would just send it to him. He's like, okay, let me just grab this, this shot real quick. You know, so, so it helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true because it, just being physically on the set, one of the th- key things you said, like the body language of showing it to people and how they react, like you can tell with an audience, like even in a movie theater who is who is enjoying it, like, you know, as soon as you see a phone light turning on or somebody passing popcorn to someone else, like that means they're distracted and it's not holding them, holding it for I, them, right? I, so- oh, absolutely. And that's the thing, it's like we would we would um you know initially when um like during our you know early on the process when we had our kind of like our first cuts, we uh, we watched all all episodes, like you know, one through six. It was me, uh, Kelly, the other editor, um Andy and Eric Newman. And we would yeah. sit there all together, watch every episode and have a like discussion about it. And then like I said, you know, like the cinematographer would pop in, he's like, and Andy's like, sit, sit. Like sit down, you're watching this episode, and then and at that point, obviously, I had seen it like so many times. I'm I'm actually watching the people watching the show. Like I'm, you know, at that point, it's like I know the episode, right? It's like so I'm watching them and just seeing, how, like you said, just how they react, and you start yeah. seeing things, and then everyone has a different opinion, and then sometimes people have to when you know everyone's saying the same thing, it's like all right, we gotta fix this, you know, yeah, or do something about it. But it's a process it, for it, sure. <laughs> it, it it is, and it's. It's interesting you mentioned that we're talking about looking at the audience. I remember, you know, when you're when you're starting out in the world of film, not necessarily production, at least this has happened for me. I remember the very first film that I did, I was looking at people in the movie theater for something else. It was, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, filling up my ego. Like, do they like this? You know, like the, I wasn't looking for the other thing. Like, mm-hmm. are they getting distracted? But after that film, I realized how important it is to look for the other. Because when <laughs> you look for the other, then the automatic, you know, if you want to, you know, serve your ego will automatically come after fixing it or tweaking it. Uh, but but yeah, no, that's that 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 comes in really, really handy, getting audiences reaction if they're getting distracted or not, especially nowadays when everybody's attention span is less than a minute. I mean, it's insane. Well, that's the thing. Exactly. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, no, exactly. And, and, you know, even, you know, and that was kind of also a cool thing, like being at home was that, you know, my wife would, you know, and she would do like some ADR lines where we needed, Hey, you know, do this line you know, real quick. Uh, but, you know, like, 
um, yeah, you know, check this out. Like, what do you think? You know, what, what do you think? And in, and in the process, you're just kind of going there. All right, yeah. Right, cool. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And what's, what's lining up next for you that you were able to talk about? Uh, well, you know, right now, just kind of exploring, you know, uh, again, for me, it's like, it's just about trying to get working with good, good people, you know, and, 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 and something that's, that's going to challenge me. I love to do maybe something like a, like a comedy mm. or, or, or horror. That'd be kind of cool, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, trying to, ex you know, explore other things. I mean, I've, I've, I've done the, you know, cartel, you know, drug wars, you know, I've done that. So, uh, you know, I think I would like to find something different this time. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, at the moment it's, you know, obviously, as you know, uh, it, you know, it, it's been a slow time here and, you know, in Hollywood and in the industry in general. And, and so, uh, just hope that things pick back up, you know, soon and we can get, you know, back to working again. It was a rough year. And so, uh, just, you know, but I'm excited. I'm excited. What's, what's ahead. You know, it's like, it's like, I think it's, it, it's a, it's a time of transition, I suppose, you know, and, and, and that's also like in a way exciting because, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of good opportunities can come out of that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but we'll, 100%. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Do you ever consider yourself directing or being a cinematographer on a project, whether it's your own or somebody else's? Uh, you know, cinema, I mean, uh, the cinematography thing, I I'm good at just doing my, my YouTube videos, you know, for my, for my <laughs> mentorship platform. I think, I think I'll leave it at that, you know? Okay. Um, but I still enjoy it. You know, even like, you know, I just bought recently, I bought a new camera. I still, I bought lenses. Like I, I still, I love it. I love cinematography, yeah. photography, you know, um, directing, uh, you know what? I don't know. I mean, I, I'd love to do something probably. Um, yeah. You know, my own project. Um, uh, you know, yeah, I see that probably in the cards maybe someday, uh, directing that i would and, and writing you know I, I yeah it's just i because to me like editing is is writing honestly it, it is it is you know it is so it's like you know i would like to do that also explore that uh, as well um to do some more writing but uh yeah i mean uh, it's the time factor right like i mean a lot of time <laughs> well i mean that, you know and it's the thing it's like you know i run my own you know mentorship platform i tell my own podcast and and that you know that that is like I mean, yeah, it's just trying to now. Literally, it's just finding the time to do all this stuff. And you know, one once I'm on a show, you know, a series. I mean, I, I tell people you're you're not gonna see me for the next you know six to nine months, maybe even a year, because I just disappear. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like I'm just hungry to you know, you know, just working away. Um, it's so time consuming. What What's your podcast about? So, uh, Hollywood Editing Mentor. It's a. Uh, it's both a. a a mentorship platform that I have and, and, and then a podcast that came out of it, but uh, you can find it at hollywoodeditingmentor.com. And okay. basically I created this mentorship platform back during the pandemic. Um, during the pandemic, I was, I was kind of, you know, sitting around and as a lot of us were, and I, you know, I was like, what, you know, I want to do something, you know, creative and, 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 and I don't want to just sit around here and like just watching TV. Like I want to learn something or what, what can I do? And, you know, I had a lot of mentors, obviously, that helped me, you know, break into this industry. And also just, in, look, I've been working as an editor for now, you know, 20 plus years. Yeah. I've always had a lot of help from people. And and being part of communities uh, have a lot, has allowed me, especially in LA, to like just kind of keep going, right? When times got tough. 
And so I created this mentorship platform to, to help people really, I mean, whether it be they're aspiring or seasoned editors or post-production professionals to basically help them achieve their goals. Right. And, and also, again, part of this is creating a community where people can find that, you know, support from like-minded people. Uh, and so then the podcast came really from, you know, I wanted to share stories from other people, how they've accomplished, say their dreams, right. Or how they overcome obstacles. So it's, mm. it's, it's, um, you know, we do talk about certain projects, obviously, you know, but it's a lot more about mentorship and, and, and bring us, people bringing us into their, their kind of world and sharing us, you know, how they've been able to accomplish again, their dreams or, uh, you know, overcome certain challenges that they discovered along the way. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's been, it's been fun. I, I love it. You know, it's, I, I love sharing those stories. And so, you know, I, I still do it. That's the thing. But now it's like, I can't do that and do like the, the day job let's yeah, say, yeah. together. It's just, it's just too much work, but, um, uh, you know, I wealth of information there, I have a YouTube channel and, and so many free resources. And then also, you know, if people want to kind of dive deeper into other topics. You know, I offer kind of fee-based, you know, services, you know, but it's, it's, it's all there at hollywoodeditingmentor.com. That's awesome, man. No, it's, it's so true. Like, you know, making a podcast takes so much of your time, uh, even if you know what the hell you're doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it's, I, I remember when I started this during COVID, it would take me like, you know, aside from the interview, like, which is like normally an hour or conversation, it would take me two to three hours to put everything together. Then it just over time took me to figure out a way to have templates ready and just plug it in and no cutting, nothing. And now it's like down to 40 minutes and hopefully we'll be down to 25 minutes because it, you can't do it yourself. It's just, you have other stuff to do. Like this is not your bread and butter, right? I mean, I, you're just doing it for, for maybe for fun of it or for talking about films. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you get it. You totally get it. And uh, yeah, I used to be like, you know, cutting every pause out, every breath. I mean, like, oh, no. because, because you know, you, you, you care about it so much, but then it's like, I just, I can't, it's just too much time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent, man. Any travel plans for you? Uh, we, uh, we, my wife recently brought up Croatia and that's been on my list as well for many years. We got to go last year to Japan. That was beautiful. I loved it out there. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, this year, I think we're, we're aiming for Croatia. We, that's always what I wanted to do. So have you ever, we'll thought about bolivia i have I, I have thought about it i have yeah there is this never place gone. there's this place I, I see on instagram it's called salar de uni where you basically it's like you're you can walk or bike on water obviously it's you know like at the level of the ground but it's so crisp that you see the reflection of yourself and the bike and the sky in still water. You can't, even if you turn the image upside down, yeah. it would look like the other way. And it, I mean, if you're going to Croatia, you know, uh, <laughs> down the road, whenever you have a chance to go to Bolivia, just check that out. I haven't been there. I've always wanted to go, oh. uh, go there. It's beautiful. Yeah, I would, I will certainly add it to the list. Uh, I mean, uh, it sounds great. And yeah, I know Bolivia, honestly, I, I always, I, I've always wanted to go and, so, but again, also finding the time. It's like so many places, man. I want to visit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Bolivia is down south. Bolivia, <laughs> yeah, Bolivia exactly, is down yeah. south, so it's not that far, right? So yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, man. This has been great. Uh, I I had a great time talking to you. Uh, obviously, our 
mindset is somewhat similar in terms of interest and traveling and work-wise. And I uh, would love to chat with you more in, in future if there's anything that you'd be interested in talking about, uh, you know, another project of yours that I can take a look and see what happens. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, first of all, thanks. Thanks for having me here on your shows. Yeah. Great conversation. I obviously we could have probably kept going for hours and hours, you know, talking about certain subjects. So uh, this has been lovely. Thank you. No problem, man. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, looking forward to seeing more of your work. Take care, man. All right. Absolutely. Please do take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share and comment and do come back for another episode. Until then, have a great day.